I'm super excited, too, about our speaker this week. When I invited him to come, he's, he's been a friend for several years. When I invited him to come, he lived in Fresno. But then now he lives in Tennessee. And so he said, I kind of still want to come. Even though I live in Tennessee, could I still come? I said, yeah. So he flew all the way from Tennessee to be with you guys this week. Give it up for my friend Mike Sirisoni. Up, Heartland. That was. You remember me? All right, from last year. Yeah, we got some people back from last year. That's good. That's when you won that shirt. All right, that's impressive. You just brought it out on night one. You're like, here I am, champion. Come and get it. I like it. I like it. Uh, where are my Fresno people at? Fresno, Clovis. Yeah, Sarah, see you right there. That's right. Um, hey, uh, I, I've spent the, the, my last six years in the Fresno Clovis area, and I love my Fresno Clovis peeps. Where, where's my Reseda people? Reseda, born in Tarzana, California, grew up in Simi Valley. The San Fernando Valley was my home for 30 plus years. Uh, I'm glad that you guys are here. No matter where you're from, I am so excited that you have chosen to come and, and spend this time walking through God's word with me this week. You know, I don't think there there I don't, I don't believe in, in accidents. I don't believe in coincidences. I think that you being here, whether whether you this was your most exciting week of the year, whether it's on your calendar and you're like, I can't wait to go to Heartland, or or whether you, you came here kicking and screaming. Anybody come here kicking and screaming? I'm just kidding. Don't put your hands up. <laughs> I'm excited that you're here because I believe that God has made a divine appointment with you. I believe that God has you here for a reason. And I don't know what he's going to do in your life. I don't know exactly what that reason is. I don't know what your home life looks like. I don't know what your relationships look like. I don't know what your time with the Lord looks like. But what I know is that when God is at work, it never returns void. And that he is here to meet with you. You know, I have, a, I have a family that I'd like to tell you a little bit about, so you, you know a little bit about me. Um, I've been married for almost 15 years to my bride, Kristen. We actually, we met uh, at high school camp at Heartland. Um, so some of, I'm just kidding, we didn't. Some of you are like, see, you're like elbowing your counselor, like I could meet my husband here. Uh, it's probably not going to happen, but good luck. Good luck. But we've been married 15 years. We met when I was, when I was 19, and uh, the girls over here are like, sorry, guys, no chance. Sorry. Um, we met when I was 19, uh, and uh, we've been married now for 15 years, and we uh, have four daughters, four incredible girls. Uh, so I can't make boys. Uh, it's, not in, it's not my spiritual gift, but but I can uh, raise four incredible daughters. So our youngest is five. Uh, her name's Ashton. She is a uh, class clown. Any class clowns in here? Anybody likes to make, make jokes? That's her. She's a, she is five, and she comes up with the funniest stuff. I, I just have no clue where she gets it from. And, uh, and then we have Sadie. Uh, she is eight. And Sadie's like the girly girl. Like, she's the one that will wear, like, eight outfits in a day just to try on all the different dresses. Um, and uh, she 
she's into gymnastics. She loves that stuff. Kenzie is nine, and she is just like me. Like she's the spitting image of me. Uh, loves sports. Loves to uh, to excel in school, and and she's driven. Uh, and then we have Brooklyn. She's thirteen, and uh, she's a teenager. So I'm I'm entering into the teenage years, but uh, they are my life. I love them, and uh, you'll probably hear a little bit about them in some of my messages. Um, I've been uh, at the well in Fresno for the past six years, and as Byron said, I recently uh, moved to Tennessee. So what that means for you is right now it's the middle of the night there. So I'm like, I am. This is the latest I've been up in a very long time. So I'm excited to be with you, um, and I also know that uh, as we open up God's Word, um, I'm excited. The Lord has for you. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna walk this week through uh, my favorite gospel. That's weird to say. Uh, it's like, isn't the whole Bible your favorite? Yes, um, but. If I had to pick a favorite gospel, my favorite gospel is the gospel of John. I love it. I mean, I, I, there, I'll get into it later in a later message, but it, it's had profound impact on my life. And so we're going to walk, uh, not verse by verse, that would take forever, but we're going to walk through the entire book of John this week. I want you guys to see, John wrote for a very specific purpose, and I want you guys to see the entire gospel kind of unfold right before your eyes. So if you have your Bibles, open up to John chapter chapter one, John chapter one, verse one. If you don't have your Bibles, we're going to need them. So uh, bring them with you. If you don't have a Bible, let us know. Uh, there are Bibles in the back. Uh, they can grab one for you, but there's not going to be any verses on the screen. We're going to walk through uh, and turn pages together. Sound good? All right. So this week, as we walk through the gospel of John, uh, there's an interesting, there's an interesting uh, passage in John 18. John 18. It's an interaction between Jesus and this guy named Pilate, Pontius Pilate. And, and they have this interaction. And this is, this is how it went in John 18. It says, therefore, Pilate said to him, so you are a king? Jesus answered, you say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been, been born, and for this I have come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And Pilate said to him, what is truth? What is truth? That is the question we're going to wrestle with as we walk through the gospel of John together this week. That's the question because, because the, the idea of truth can be a very interesting concept. The idea of truth is something that, that really the world is wrestling with right now. You can't turn on uh, the news without hearing some truth that you didn't know was true. But you also can't turn on the news without recognizing people are trying to argue that there is no truth at all. And so this week, we're going to walk through what that looks like. I'm sure as you walk through your schools, you've heard people say, well, that's your truth. And, and well, this is my truth. You can't, you can't tell me what's true because these are my experiences and, and our experiences dictate what is true. And so this week we're going to walk through and we're going we're gonna to ask that question. Well, what really determines what's truth? When I was young, younger than you guys, I believed in God. 
I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. But when I was in junior high, I believed in God. I, I grew up in a Catholic church and, and I just always knew that there was a God. I looked around and and there were mountains everywhere. I've been to the beach and I see the, the dolphins jumping and swimming. I, I look at everything God created and I go, well, well, of course there's a God. But my relationship with God didn't always look the way it looks now. See, I don't know if you, I don't know if you understand where, what I'm about to say, but I, I kind of often questioned whether or not, I knew there was a God, but I also questioned whether or not God was real. And I, my prayers often went something like this. God, if you're real, then. God, if you're real, then uh, hook me up with this girl. I prayed that one one, two, maybe three times in my life. How many of you guys have prayed that? Some of you actually raised your hand. Oh, right there. That's all right. Youth pastor back there. That, may, that means it's okay. Um, <laughs> But usually it was like some girl or some test that I had. How many of you guys pray for your tests? It's like, God, if you're real, give me an A. I didn't study at all. But God, if you're real, give me an A on this test. And, and so, so that's, what my, that's what my prayers looked like. And without knowing it, I was, I was talking to the God of the universe, and I was changing him into like Will Smith in Aladdin. Like the genie, you remember that movie? Like the live action uh, 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 Aladdin? Like I was, I was looking at the God of the universe and I was like, okay, my definition of God is that you exist to serve me. Whoa. How many of you guys relate with that? My, my definition of God is that God, you created me so that you could serve me and, and I become the center of my universe. All of a sudden, it's all about me and less about God. And I was trying to, trying to take truth and twist it into what I wanted it to be. But I wonder, I wonder if there's a better way. I wonder if there's a better way to find truth. Like as we're, as we're asking these questions, what is truth? We have to ask, how do we find it? If there is a truth, there is something that exists that, that defines truth. How do we find it? And that's what we're going to explore this week. But God, as we open up his word, God is going to, he's going to reveal truth in three ways. First, he reveals truth through his creation. I told you, I mean, we can, we're, we're up here at Heartland. We look around and there's incredible trees and, 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 and the sunsets and all the things that, that we see God created. We look up at the night, night sky and we see the, the stars and the moon and, and we look at that and we go, how could there not be a God? How could there not be a creator? And so, so we see that, that God, ha through his creation, has revealed truth to us that he exists we can know that God exists just by experiencing his creation. But he's also revealed truth to us through his word. That's what we're going to spend time talking through this week. His word that reveals his thoughts and his hopes and his heart and, and, and the things that he's for and the things that he's against. The, the, the word of God that reveals him to us. Do you guys know that we, we can know about God or we can know that God exists just by looking at creation, but we can't know God until he reveals himself to us. And he reveals himself to us in the word. 
the very word that you hold in your hand is the, is the thing we use to see who God is. What is he like? What, is he, what does he do? How does he feel about you and about me? And then the third, the third way he reveals truth is through his son, through his son, Jesus Christ. And the beauty of Jesus is that when we look at Jesus, we see the God of the universe. When we look at his character, when we look at his motives, when we look at his heart, we see the God of the universe. So when we look to find truth, we don't, we don't turn on Fox News or CNN. We don't open up Instagram. We don't, we, don't, we don't look at Twitter. We open up the pages of God's Word. And that's where we're going to find truth. So as we explore truth this week, we have to talk about the problem that exists in our, in our culture. The problem that, that says that absolute truth does not exist. You know, to ruin a society, all you have to do is to, to convince people that truth doesn't exist. Because if truth doesn't exist, then nothing is wrong. And if nothing is wrong, then we can do anything. And all of a sudden, we've got the purge going on everywhere. Without truth, there is no right and wrong. Without truth, there is no love for your neighbor. Without truth, all of a sudden, we're just all doing what we want to do. And the problem is, what if I want to do something that's opposite of what you want to do? Then all of a sudden we have a problem and society starts to break down. It started in, in uh, 1960. A man, it's not important his name, but a man by the name of Jacques Derrida. He, uh, he built out this concept of subjective truth. And what he said is, because humanity, because you and me, because we have the ability to reason and think, truth begins there. He, he said, he said if, if, true, if we have the ability to, to reason and we have the ability to think, then truth is found in the individual and not in anything else. So if I look at the sky and I reason that the sky is red, then, then that is truth because, because my reason, my thought has decided that, that it's red. And if I look at the sky and, and decide that it's purple, it's purple because that's what I reason. And so he came up with this philosophy. So in this philosophy, truth is not determined by the divine, but instead by the finite. It's not, it's not determined by the God of the universe. It's determined by his creation. And I hope you're starting to see the problem. And so, so therefore, if, if truth is determined by us, if truth is determined by the individual, then anyone seeking to explore the ancient texts like the Bible do so in vain. Because they have no way of knowing the intricate details of the individual mind. And so do you see what humanity has done? We've flipped truth on its head. Instead of truth being defined by the God of the universe, now it's defined by us. And I don't know about you, but I make a terrible God. So despite what our culture says, Despite what we're taught in our schools, despite what we're taught on social media, 
In John chapter 18, Pontius Pilate asks, asks a question, and he says, what is truth? Now, I know some of you are here, and you're followers of Jesus. And, and I ask you, what is truth? And you're, you're, you're itching to raise your hand and go, the Bible is truth. Jesus is truth. The God of the universe is truth. You're seeking to allow the scriptures to guide your life. And in them, you find wisdom. But I know that there are some of you here, and you never thought in a million years you'd be in a church camp. You... You looked at your life and you planned everything out and nowhere in that story is you coming to Heartland in 2023. You don't, you don't even know what to really do about the Bible. You look at it and you're like, it's, it's been written so long ago. I mean, how can anything be true for that long? It's hard for you to believe that there's a God and if there is a God, it's harder for you to believe that he even cares about you. It's very easy to, to look at God and go, okay, he, he's probably just like a set it and forget it kind of a God where he put everything in motion and then he just walked away. There's no way God knows all of our thoughts. There's no way God cares about my pain and my hurt. There's no way God looks at my past and cares about who I am. And it's very easy for you to come to this place and be skeptical. And I'm grateful that you're here. I'm grateful that you're here and you're, you're here to hopefully ask some questions because the worst thing you could do is waste your time this week. The worst thing you could do is walk around going, oh, I wish I wasn't here, or I can't believe my parents signed me up, or, or maybe I'll find my spouse. Uh, you won't. You just won't. Stop thinking that. Um, I don't want you to waste your time here. And I'm hoping that you'll give me your grace and your attention as we explore together, as we enter into this backstory of truth. So let's talk about the book of John. The book of John is the fourth gospel. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. Um, the first three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they're the synoptics. Synoptics just means same. So you, if you want to write that down, you can, but it just means they're similar. Uh, they're, they're telling the same story, slightly different lens, same, same overall purpose. And, and, and so those are the synoptics. But John, he writes differently. John was the, the one whom Jesus loved. What's interesting about that is John wrote that about himself. <laughs> He's like, yeah, he, he liked the other 11, but um, he loved me. Like, I'm, I'm special. And so he writes it about himself, but, but he had this special relationship with Jesus. And so he writes from a, a little bit of a different perspective. And, and it was written 30 years after the other Gospels. 30 years after the other Gospels were written. Many years after all the other apostles were, were martyred for their death or for their faith. See, John's life was a life of turmoil. He, he, he refused to, to uh, give up his faith. He refused to, to tell people that Jesus wasn't real. And so he got exiled on an island called Patmos. And 
as he's exiled, he's nearly killed and then ultimately gets released. And now he writes his gospel. And the theme of that gospel is believe. The theme of that gospel is believe. And so as we walk through this whole, this whole series, this whole week, my question to you is, what do you believe? What is true? He wants his readers to come to understand the truth about Jesus Christ. And that's my desire for us this week, is that as we get into the text, as we get into John, that, that you would ask yourself, what is true about Jesus? Who is he? What has he done for me? And what does he want with my life? So with that said, let's dive into John chapter 1. Starting in verse 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was the beginning with God, he was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. So in the beginning, in, in the very beginning, the time before anything was created, the time before uh, there was an earth, the time before there was humans, the time before there was plants or anything, what, what we see is that, that, that in the beginning was the Word. And, and, and the Word was God, and the, or the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And, we, and so we see this, this, this p- picture starting to unfold. Nothing has been created, but God exists. God is infinite. He is not created. He has just always been. And there's this three-in-oneness that we'll get to in a little bit. Now, John writes, and he says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word, we look at that, and that's a little confusing. You're like, Mike, how do you, how do you know that's Jesus? How do you know that's who he's talking about? When he says, in the beginning was the word, words are the expression of the person speaking them. Ever thought about that? Like your words are you expressing what's already going on in your mind. So as you, as you start to, to share things, you're expressing what, what your thought is. And so as John writes about the word, he's saying that Jesus is the very expression of God. Have you ever, have you ever said something that you wish you could take back? I'm guessing you have. I have. I say, I mean, you could ask my wife. She could give you lots of stories of things that I wish I could say, take back. But the idea is this, like when, when those thoughts are in your head, when those, those thoughts are just in your head, you, you're good, right? Like you don't have anything to take back. Like you haven't said anything. You haven't expressed what's already inside your mind. But once it comes out, and it's like toothpaste out of a, out of a container, you can't put it back, right? Once it's out of that container, you can't put the toothpaste back in. And, and once you've said whatever you've expressed, you can't take it back, Our speech is an expression of who we are. And just like that, the word is the expression of God in the form of Jesus. And he says that this word was was with God and he was God and he was the agent of creation. John wants to establish right from the beginning. He wants you to know that the truth is that Jesus is the God of the universe. 
He wants you to know that he was, he was with God, that he was God, and that nothing, nothing came into being without him. He wants you to know that that's true. Genesis, the book of Genesis, the very first book in your Bible, chapter 1, it says it this way. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was moving over the surface of the water. So, so it says in Genesis that, that when Jesus, when the word was with God and the word was God in the, in the beginning, the, there was nothing. The earth was void. Nothing had happened it was formless, it was void, but God the Father was there, and Jesus the Son was there, and the Holy Spirit, the Ruah of God, was hovering over the deep. And so we start to, from the very first two verses of the Bible, we start to get this picture of this trinity of, of, the, of, of God, the three-in-oneness of our God. These are the words that the Apostle Paul uses to talk about Jesus. Colossians 1, 16 and 17. He says, For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And so what, what, what Paul says is, he says, for by him all things were created. He's like angels and demons created by God. You and me created by God. Animals created by God. Plants created by God. Everything was created by God. And when he says, for by him, he's talking about Jesus, the son of God. And so God does something incredible. The world is void and formless. And he looks and he says, we, we need to create. And so day one, he says, let there be light. And there's light. And day one ends, and he says, that is, that's good. Day two, he says, let's create the atmosphere. And he creates the atmosphere, and, he, and he, he says, that's good. Day three, he says, let's create dry ground, and let's, let's put plants on them. And he looks at it, and he says, that's good. Day four, he says, let's create the sun and the moon and the stars. And he says, that's good. And day five, the birds and the sea creatures. And he says, that's good. And day six, land animals and humans. And he takes a step back. Day one, good. Day two, good. Day three, good. Day four, good. Day five, good. Day six, very good. See, he creates humans, the pinnacle of his creation. Like everything else, like the seahorse. Yeah, that's just good. That's pretty incredible. There's a horse in the sea. But he looks at it and he goes, that's good. But on day six, there's something different about humanity. And he looks at us after he's breathed life into us, after, after he's looked at us and he's created us in his image 
And it's not just good. You are not just good. Where you sit, who you are is not just good. God looks at you and he says, very good. You are very good. Not because of anything you've done, but because you've been created in the image of the God of the universe. That's, that's crazy to me. In a world that tells us that we're only as good as what, how we perform, whether it's sports or school, and if you don't get straight A's, are you really good? If you don't want a championship t-shirt at Heartland, are you really that good? And God looks, look, when God said we're very good, we hadn't done anything. He just looks at us and he says, you're very good. And God created things. He set them in motion. He decided how things would be. And so, because he created things, because he put them in motion, because he decided how things were going to be, truth is defined by him. There's no other way. And the, the truth is, you may not like that. Like, you may be here and you're like, I don't want God to define truth. Like, I came here believing that I could define my own truth. And if I wrote my own story, then I could decide what's good and what's bad. I could believe in what I want to believe. But the truth is, God created everything. He put everything in motion. And so truth is defined by him. And if you don't like it, then when you create your own universe, you can decide how it works best. But until then, we look to the creator of the universe, God himself, to define truth. And from the beginning, the point was Jesus. It was, it was void and formless. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit existed as one. And this is what John says about the Son of God, the Word, the Logos, he says in, in, look at verse 14, John chapter 1. It says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as, the, as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about him. John the Baptist testified about him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I for he existed before me. What's interesting about that, you guys know the story of Jesus' birth? Who was born first? John the Baptist or Jesus? John, right? So what is John saying? He who comes after me is a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. He's pointing to the fact that it's always been Jesus. From the beginning of time, it's always been Jesus. And Jesus is the incarnate glory of the Father. He's the exact rep representation of the Father in human form. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. Read your Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read about who Jesus is. That is God. Jesus is full of both 
grace and truth. He, he's the epitome of perfect grace and perfect truth. You ever notice how sometimes people, people tend to gravitate towards one or the other? Like some, some people are like all grace. And they're like, I can do whatever I want because God forgave me, right? You know anybody like that? Don't point at them. That's rude. But some people, they gravitate more towards truth. And they want to hammer everyone with their Bible. They want to go walk around and point out how everybody is wrong. They want to... They, they, <laughs> I'll tell this story. It's not in my notes, but uh, I, I worked in downtown Los Angeles for a long time. I received people. They know what that's like. It's like uh, a 30-minute drive in no traffic, a four-hour drive in traffic. Uh, but, but I took the train, and I would take the train down to, uh, to Los Angeles, and then I would get on the subway. And one day, I got on the subway, and there was this woman. Uh, I sat down, and, and there was this woman walking up and down the aisle of, of, the, tr of the subway. And she was just yelling, repent, repent. Repent, repent of your sins. You're all sinners. Repent. And I was like, I don't want her to find out I'm a Christian because I don't want to be associated with her, right? Because she had all, it was all truth. There was no grace. She, she didn't want to sit down and have a conversation with people. She didn't want to get to know them. She didn't want to, she didn't want to talk about sin in light of grace. She just wanted people to know they were sinners. I think she even said, like, you're going to burn in hell, something like that. It was really subtle. Um, and so then we look at Jesus and we see this perfect balance of grace and truth. We're going to get to John chapter 4. I don't know that there's a better example in the Bible than John chapter 4 of grace and truth. Jesus, Jesus offers grace, but then he says, go and sin no more. He offers grace, but he wants us to walk out our faith. He wants us to live life with him. He wants what's for us. I think we have this, and we'll get to sin. I'm getting ahead of myself, but we have this picture of sin like sin is fun. And it is temporarily, man. I'm not going to tell you it's not. But sin overpromises and underdelivers. And yet, in the midst of our sin, the Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to get our lives together. He didn't look at us and go, you're not perfect, so I'm not going to do this for you. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And in verse uh, 6 of chapter 14 of the book of John, Jesus says to him, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus is the truth. <clears throat> Everything about him is true. And, and I think it's so important that we start our, our week off on this foot. I think it's so important that we have to understand truth is defined by God. If we don't under, and I'm, I know I'm saying it over and over and over, you're like, this guy, it's all he's saying. Is he going to say anything else the rest of our time here? Like, you have to get this. You have to understand that because God is God, truth is defined by him. And so that, that matters because now as we walk through the rest of the Bible, what we're going to see is, is we can just agree that everything in it is true. See how that works? Everything in the Bible is true because it's God's word. And because God created everything, everything that we see and everything that we experience, God has the ability to define what is true. 
we're going to spend the rest of our week asking that same question that Pontius Pilate asked in John chapter 18. What is truth? And my hope, my hope for you is that you'll lean in to God. My hope for you is that that you'll lean into what he wants to do in your life, that you'll lean into what he wants you to give up, what he wants you to put on, who he wants you to become, what he wants you to do, that you'll lean into who he wants you to be, that all of a sudden, if we can agree as a camp that truth is defined by God, then we can start having some really cool conversations about what it looks like to walk with the God of the universe. Amen? Father, you are truth. Lord, you've outlined that clearly in your word. Father, you have, you have shown us through your creation and through your word and through your son that you are the God of the universe and that you set everything in motion, that you created everything and you determine how it works best. So Lord, I pray for us, for me and for my friends. I, I pray that this week that, that we would submit ourselves to the truth of your word. And Lord, that we would wait expectantly for you to work in our lives. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.